Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Big a- big bu- big fucking Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and you got the old man Wheezy laugh. <laughs> There's no recovering. It's not, it's not, keep it going. No, you man. got to do the beatbox. Kick if you don't do the beatbox, you're going to hurt my feelings. If you don't do that. <laughs> it's the bad Christian podcast. We put the in Christian. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we just lost so many listeners. I want to apologize right from the get go. I Why want to did apologize you do that? for my. I let my language get the best of me sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I try to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden I'm saying like, fuck shit. I hope people fucking die burning. I don't want to say that shit. It's nasty. <laughs> I don't like saying that. You are the end of us. Like you, it, when bad Christian fizzles out, we'll just There's be able to say, yeah, Toby, Toby couldn't get, Toby couldn't get. That would actually so. be pretty cool if I was blamed <laughs> for the end of all. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> like I got that. Now, here's why I think I do say nasty things. And it's because I believe I don't really trust anybody. Like y'all have known me for a long time. You, you know my situation with my family, so I got some liars in my family and stuff like that. Your wife. Your yeah, wife, oh you God, don't trust her. Some of your children. I'd kill to be divorced from her. I, that's what I wanted to get to here. But talking Would about you divorce. kill her is the question. Oh, man, if I can get that money. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. He went lambesis. Um, anyway, so uh, we took our kids. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you can uh, help me out here a little bit, but... It, you know, your teeth, I'm, I'm asking kind of a science question. Your teeth fall out. Joey, you know this too as a parent. Your kids' teeth fall out. Well, our kids, one of them, our son, has a cavity. And so I was like, well, do you, I, I don't remember my parents ever taking me to the dentist really before <laughs> my full teeth came in, my second set, right? Right. And so um, uh, I was like, well, do we have to fix that? Isn't that tooth going to fall? Even if it's bad, do we have to fix it? I mean, it seems like it's a little bit of a scam. And they were talking about they were going to have to put him under sedation. It was going to be like a thousand for a baby like, tooth, right? And I, I was know. like, man, that's like that's like, temporary. That's like buying a dishwasher for your now, paper plates. Now, the only thing I could think in my head was, okay, <laughs> if that cavity <laughs> tooth temporary. is still it, right, if that cavity tooth is there, and somehow that cavity affects a side tooth that comes in before it, maybe the cavity could jump to the other tooth. I don't know, but still, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. So we're talking thousands of dollars. This is a doctor that I'm trying to trust from my family. And Jess goes, I just don't like this. Let's get a second opinion. Went to another doctor, nothing even close to that. Yeah. Like, it, 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 mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't anything for all of our kids. I was like, oh, wait, we're about to save literally hundreds, if not thousands yeah. of dollars. And I, was, and I was like, man, this is a doctor who's, you know, I mean, he took an oath and, and, all kind, and studied and did all this stuff. And he's literally not, I can't trust him. No different than a break inspection. Right. Put, put them on the yeah. lift, look at it, say, ah, well, you know, I can't let you leave. This is too unsafe. It's unsafe. Exactly. For you to drive, we got to so, get, you, yeah, we got to get those tires probably fixed. Probably timing belt, too. I mean, and might as well you're do it. exactly right. I didn't even think about that. Uh, uh, so many people that are professionals that I don't trust, 
And then, I mean, I just took it one step further. You can't trust your spouse. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you can't trust a professional, you can't how trust in the world a doctor, you... how the hell are you supposed to trust? <laughs> My God. I mean, I, I, it would be horrific if Who's I asked you to actually trust me. A doctor? Right. Or my wife. <laughs> She's just an executive assistant who's just downright mean. I mean, yeah, who what you about trust? you? Yeah. You can't let, you don't want Bridget not. to trust you. If Priscilla trusted Joey, that would be, it'd be horrific. That for doctor her. took an oath to do no harm. You exactly. <laughs> Paperwork, years of study, and all that you stuff. Can't so, trust him. Uh, and it let me, and the reason why I got there is because on this last tour, Joey, Matt and I were talking, and I thought Matt said something. Matt says a lot of stuff, and sometimes I'm just like, "This guy's a dumbass." Oh, okay, decent point, or whatever. I thought this was really one of one of his high points, which is hilarious because it's so negative. But I was like, "Oh, that is true." I was I was driving our van. Negativity. I was driving our van, listening to Matt talk and and mouth breathe and stuff. And I was like, "Okay, wait a minute. What he just said was true." Now, before you tell me, yep. take take a guess whether or not I'm going to jump on board or or be the. I think you know what I actually think this is so. Uh, uh, it's not provocative, but I think it's so maybe true or whatever. You might. I think you have to agree with this. <laughs> I really do believe that. So Matt says no marriage ever has exceeded expectations. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I know. I, mean, and I, I okay, was no, no, I'm sorry. I just thought of a couple caveats. I'm sure there's a few okay. arranged marriages where the people were tried right. as hard as they could to not make it happen, and then it was fine. Yes. I'm sure that has happened. But any normal message, a marriage, of course it hasn't yeah. exceeded I mean, Je- your there's No chance just thought... Yeah, Jess did not think, ooh, man, it's been so much better than I thought with Toby. Right. She has never thought had that thought one time in her life at all. And most men, and, and it was really, at that moment, I was like I said, I was driving the van. I was like, oh, wow, that's really true. Like, this whole thing that when you're, I mean, especially maybe I'm just talking the evangelical world, the Christian world, maybe, but maybe oh, the whole world, you're oh. told you got to get married. And have kids, and it's going to be awesome. If you wait for, you know, don't have sex before marriage. Don't don't do this before marriage. Find that one person. It's going to be so beautiful and awesome. And God ordained your husband, your bride, all of these things. And then when you get into it a few years, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is good. And I'd, I'd never heard anything like that. I was like, I've never thought of it that way, that this whole system that we have never surpasses expectations i I mean of course somebody there's somebody out there matt you even said this there's an old couple that still kiss they're 70 years old and they still kiss that is an outlier for sure most people are barely making let me support that claim a little bit and i just if you just stay strict with the plain logic of it is all i'm asking you to do here i'm not trying to make even a case against marriage Um, but i've never seen anything but a single person i believe i was just telling reva and I don't know if it was who is a single talking. person. Yeah, I was trying. I, I was just. I was just trying to convey that. You know, every single person goes. Now I know it'll be hard, but I, I can sense it behind that that they think. But really, when I find the right person and do this, it's going to be. You know, the expectations. It's not because marriage is so bad. It's not even that. It's just yeah. our expectations are just runaway. It's just impossible not right. to, ha- to to bring too much expectations to it and and that's why it's like that that's the trick it's not that marriage is necessarily that bad but it is and everybody goes but I know it's hard so if you just look at any category so you take your sex life in every single category if you had to pinpoint what your expectations were about how close you would be to your wife how intimate it would be how 
good your sex yep. would be, how good your communication would be. Maybe after, and, and you think things like, well, maybe 20 years in, it'll be, well, I know there'll be bumps, but we'll figure it out. But if you ever were forced to write down what your minimum expectation, not minimum expectations, but legitimate expectations were in any specific category, <laughs> I believe almost entirely you would not exceed them, is all I'm not arguing. Right. I'm not saying it's horrible. It doesn't have to be horrible, but. You don't exceed almost any. I, I spend I I spend the vast majority of my premarital counseling now. I work subjects into this, but my prevailing message to couples is this is hard. And yeah, I know, but everybody hears some, that, but they don't believe it, right? No, I mean, I, I tell, I, and sometimes I have to be like, now, obviously, I think that working through this stuff is good and it benefits you, and mm-hmm. I and I definitely think there's bright spots, but I'm telling you. This is hard, hard stuff, and and so yeah, I hundred percent. Start adding to that 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 whatever. I mean, you know, try try to be as specific as you can, and I'll also add the caveat that there's things about marriage that are good that I didn't even have an expectation of or anticipate. I guess, but really, it's it's is fundamentally disappointing. Marriage. I tell I tell couples, you will go through times where you cannot stand your spouse. There will be times where you will think this. It'd be a lot easier just to give up, like. And I, I just yeah, but they still to, think the other side payoff is going to be so good on the other side. But it's just yeah, being open is what I'm saying. Not I'm not us. saying that there's what they want to believe is there's super super bad hard times, but you get through it, and then the best times are so good. I'm just saying the hard times are true, like everybody tells you, and the rest is largely slightly disappointing. But there's but some I good think, times, but, sure. But. but but I I I feel like I'm starting to sense, uh, and sure. I, I, I would say even right now, my marriage is not exceeding expectations, but I still... <laughs> never has. Listen, yeah, but, never has but normal, but that's right. normal, right. right? Right, but I still feel that here, here I am 16 years into this thing, and I feel like the investment is paying off a little bit. Yep, like, think, think, think about 16 years that. of working through the ups and downs. We're finally getting to a place where it's just like... Man, the stuff that we get upset about is just not but that's, worth it. But even like that, those, I'm just going to argue, is not the average case. So I'm not even going to claim that 50% of couples get divorced. It's probably less than that if you weigh it correctly. I'm not even trying to be negative. But there's nothing else like marriage on earth that is mm, marginally successful, barely worth it, barely over 50% success rate that people recommend constantly right. as if it were almost mandatory. And I think that's right. unhealthy is the point I'm trying to make. That's got to be unhealthy that everybody feels implicitly like they must get married knowing full well half don't. I mean, I'm going to say that at least 75% of marriages aren't good. I got no Ooh. problem saying that. I'm saying 40, Ooh. let's say 40% actually are so bad that they end. And maybe the top 25% are pretty good, even though 24 of that 25 have you know, are largely somewhat disappointing in most areas. And then the other people that there's tons and tons and tons of people that feel pressured to stay married and stay married or just stay married, but don't really like it. So you can't have more than about 20, 30% of people that actually even like their marriage yet. It's recommended as the, the thing that you must do. It's not that unlike college. There ain't no way all these people should be going to college. There ain't no way right. all these people should be getting married, going to college, getting all this debt, and staying married. You know, that's there's no way. It's, we're getting I know, obviously then, getting married at way too high of a rate. And then you have those few exceptions where people's like, "Gosh, but they're but they." And then you find out the people they're pointing to, they've been Billy Heibling. I mean, they've been putting off the right. whole "I'm a great right." You know, you would have had him in the leader good and all that just stuff a couple years ago. 
Exactly. It's not true. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I, mean, sure. Yeah, not, I, I tell the, I tell people all the time, like, listen, if divorces are fifty one ish percent, do you think the other forty nine percent are great happy marriages? Right. Of right. Not. I mean, it's, I mean, no, there's a lot of them that are just like, oh, we just need to stay married. And the top twenty five percent all still are uh, are disappointments. Even the good marriages are right. a little bit of a letdown. <laughs> I mean, it really is. That, that's what's so. There's, yeah, but there's part, no contention of people like I didn't think it was gonna be that great, but this is fucking great. That that doesn't part, exist. Part of this though really makes sense, and I think C.S. Lewis did a good job in Mere Christianity talking about this. I mean, the reason this is, and this this is a very normal phenomenon, is what, and at least in American culture, and the you know since probably the mid 1800s, uh, you know, it, it's it's actually fairly new. But the romantic in love feelings is what attracted me and Priscilla together. That's what made that initial contempt, uh, commitment to each other. But that stuff does but not continue over. going on. And, and, see, and <laughs> well, no, listen. And C.S. Lewis says, "How could you function if it did?" He said, "You weren't meant to. Yeah. Those feelings were meant to bring you together and for you to form those commitments." And now. It's it's a lot of work that right. you have to put into that it. That mean and it's so bad. It makes it make yeah, it makes right. complete sense that we're all kind of like, oh man, this isn't this isn't as good as I thought it would be early it, on. Well, it's because that, that, early that's on, a great we point Matt's making. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It right. just means our ex- expectations are wrong. Because saying, like I'm what you're saying, saying, saying like the premarital like the premarital counseling, when you do premarital counseling, because I've done some as well, and it is seriously hopeful, enjoy and we we just want to do it right. And then Fast forward a few years, and Joey, you and I both have done, when people come in for marriage counseling, it's because something's really bad. And it almost caught them off guard, and they're like, we've been living like this for a few years now, and we, we can't live like this anymore. And there is the real truth of the matter. Two people together are going to have some serious conflict. People in general are going to have conflict the closer they live with each other and but near each other. But everybody accepts the conflict. Nobody what they can't accept is the highs not being as high as they thought oh. they would be. That's mm-hmm. all I'm really trying to focus on. Everybody knows that, that there's negative shit and you get through it. And the highs really don't. aren't really there as you always thought they would be. And that's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hard to swallow. But that's not what marriage is for. It's not what it's for. It's what you thought it was for. Marriage is a little bit more like boot camp. That ain't pleasant either. But it's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. I mean, nobody or I mean, jail you know like rehabilitation. Camp, it's not going to be fun. But this is what I need to get where I want to go. And it, I mean, it's, it's the right it's, things for sure. It's some like people with some goals, but everybody doesn't need to get married. Is kind of where I was coming from, or romanticize the how good it'll be. When Joey, do you believe that? Do you think like after having done so much counseling, marriage counseling, you've done weddings, all this stuff? Do you really feel in your heart is you should recommend marriage? Do you ever struggle with that? Well, it's not yes or no. It's just maybe how not for maybe everybody. individually, but overall as a as a stat. Well, well it, this is, is marriage good. You, yeah, you you know John Lauderhaus went to the same church uh, we go went to or I work at, and he definitely said the college ministry that he was involved in, and I think it's a blind spot for many churches. But the culture they were setting up was, and Mark Driscoll said the same sort of stuff. Get a job, get a Bible, yep. read it, get married. Yeah, and he felt pressured. He was right. like, "If I'm going to be You're a man, to. right? If I'm going to be a man, I got to get a wife and take care of her, be a provider." Yeah. And right. and he felt that cultural pressure. And so when he met a girlfriend and she was extremely, uh, you know, just taken by him, and he's like, "Okay, well, this is it." And then, I mean, he 
And, and it's funny, too, because now he kind of jabs at me and says, dude, how could you have not picked up on the fact that we should not have gotten married? But it's just like, right. I, that's There's kind so of a many reasons. Thing to, and, and it's reason unfair to both yep. the, the husband and the wife. It's really unfair when you're pressured. You're supposed to. And like you just said, it really did. Same way with me. It called in my manhood. Yeah, my right. masculinity, what I'm supposed to be, like it was, it was a thing. If I didn't have that, especially the Mars Hill days, for sure. If you didn't get married and have kids, you were you were weak. Yeah, you were not a man. You weren't doing all these things, and that underlying thing has always been there. I thought from the time I was old enough to even like a girl, I'm supposed to get married and have kids. Right, and, 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 and be a good husband and honorable. And the you, same thing's true on the flip side. It especially in the South. Women feel less than if they do not have a husband. Yeah, like they 100%. feel like they have not arrived in life. And if you're 40 years old and you still Disney. have a husband, you're a failure. Yeah, yeah. you're I right. Blame- yeah, a, a single woman in her 30s is a failure. Right. That's the most absurd, dumbest thing I've ever right. heard in my life. It doesn't mean anything. Right. I hate this stuff. Like, man, that's just that's just too bad. You know, she's got to be sad. I mean, sure, there's there may be a part of her that's just like, yeah, I would like to get married, but don't put them in this box of depressed woman that's never been married mm-hmm. right <laughs> i think that it's the sex thing is just so that one makes I me love feel sex, so though. bad about it is that 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 people don't they're so <laughs> eager for their kids to get married so that they're not having premarital sex that they'll let their kid walk <laughs> yeah. you know encourage their kid yes. tacitly or implicitly over their lifetime with all that stuff like you know that whole message you're sending to your daughters all the time like you won't touch a man you won't touch a man i'll give him my shotgun until eventually you get married but i hope that's soon when you're 21 and when you leave my house and he better be the right man like that's a that's already implicitly there whether you say that directly or not if you're not careful and then on top of that you know the disney movies and uh the and then the 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 just overall fear of how how bad it'll be if you accidentally or intentionally or regretfully have sex with more than one person like that that is really messing it up bad like how many people rush into it that shouldn't have for that reason on top of the the just natural tendency for people to be optimistic about things that seem amazing that you've been conditioned to think are amazing that everybody pretends about and lies about all the time i mean it's a pretty bad recipe it's just a bad recipe so here's one here's here's something to throw you for a loop is the verse where jesus says i think it's i'm 99 sure it's jesus but he says, what God uh, brings together, let no man put us under, let no man separate. And uh, I, uh, a pastor, uh, pretty much my pastor, has told me, and I mean, it's a super controversial thing to say, and he said, I've never recommended divorce. He said, but I have supported people's decisions to get divorced. And he said, do you really think God put together every single marriage? Like, do you really look around right. and see all these married couples, and you're like, yep, that's God's handiwork? <laughs> He's just like, so it seems like it would make sense that some marriages just, you know, can't. Right. And can't if there's work. kids involved, you don't, you should really try not to get divorced. IMO. I don't think you should. Any, I don't know. But I mean, I'm yeah, just saying, if you didn't, a lot of people, I don't know. I don't even know what to say, except for I think marriage is great, but you're not going to like it very much. All right. What, what, <laughs> I mean, that, that that's a real point, too, though. Once you have kids, it's not just you. And I think at that point, you have an obligation and a duty and a responsibility and a joy to be there for your kids, too. Because I do believe a, a parent, a mom and a dad are better than just a single parent. I really do. Now, Toby, now, was, yeah. that, was that hard for you? Like, where you're at right now, was this hard for you to wrap your mind around early on in your marriage? Because you are more of a romantic. Like, you, you do think more along the lines of, man, this is how things could be and all that, where I, I honestly, I just never was 
like Jess and I got into a huge argument, one the really big argument, because she said, "You know what? I'd never say never on divorce." And I went, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? We're never getting divorced. What does that mean? You want to cheat?" What? And my insecurities flared up. I probably didn't talk to her that harshly, but I'm remembering it that way because I was so against like the idea of what Jess. What are you saying that we could maybe not be happy or what? I mean, we were told we got married under God and fry a priest and all this, you know, all these things. And now in retrospect, I go, wait a minute. She was just being real. You know, she was, she was actually saying the right thing. That's the thing you would bet on. The thing you would actually place your money on or investment on is this thing might be shakier than we are saying. And so we don't know. I mean, you don't like right now there's a, a valid, decent percentage that one of us will get divorced. Well, that's not crazy. That's not a bizarre, strange number to bet on or think about or whatever. And it's bigger than you probably even think. And I don't think it'll happen. Well, I, don't, I really don't, but is, it's there. I feel like if you just make people be honest and you know, you hear that language of people are being, but actually my marriage is when that word actually right. is a kind of a tip that you're trying to sell yourself on some idea there, you know, but well, actually yeah. I think it's what you hear people talk about their marriage in that stilted tone where, you know, they're trying to tell themselves something about it. I'll say yeah. it a little bit more plainly. Um, I think my marriage is not in any danger. I think it's probably in that mm, real close to that side of the, maybe one of the good, even good ones. Yeah. And I can say if I'm, why can't I just be honest and tell the truth? It's underperformed in uh, any area I can think of. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, right. I, I got no problem. I mean, most people just don't too, say right? that, but I don't yeah. see why you wouldn't. It's, it's plainly true, and I think it's true about almost everybody. I think it'd be yeah. more helpful to single people to hear that. Well, the thing we're talking about here is the expectations, not the actual right. marriage. If you go into it going, man, this is going to be hard as shit. I, sometimes I'm not going to want to be here, this, but it's worth it because of this, this, and this. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, my marriage is worth right. it because I'm very attractive to my wife. I think she's yeah, very funny right. and cool. Probably we see the way raising our kids the same way. We have enough in common where I'm like, okay, this is worth it. And I wouldn't want something else. And you're right. This doesn't mean that marriage is bad necessarily. There's a lot of stuff that's hard. Like you said, boot camp's really hard. Super beneficial to a lot of people. I, in fact, I... I Wish I would have had some kind of boot camp experience or something. I think it would have made me a better person, better man, maybe even. But the idea is you can't like the real danger here is you can't even say that. Like you, if you come in and say, "Man, our marriage is just shit," and I'm decently okay with it, that sounds like you're a bad (laughs) thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. That sounds like a really bad thing, which isn't that true. I mean, there's has to be days where. It's not all lovey-dovey and happy and, oh, my gosh, this amazing thing happened. Some days it's just like, man, fuck that person. No, no. You know I'm saying like, the days that, an that it's good, that's still, eh. Yeah. I'm saying the good, to, the highs are not as high as you think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows sure. it's bad. I'm just saying that over. Right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Even the good isn't good. That's what. That's my point. The good's not really that, not really near as good as you thought. The bad, everybody understands that the bad is there. Everybody accepts that. They go, I know it's not always going to be good. Yeah, they but don't they really understand it, it though, Matt. Good. They don't understand the bad though. They no, do they not don't understand, understand that the deeply bad deeply enough either. But hey, anyway. real, real, yeah. hey, real quick, is mom and dad always going to be married? Yes. Are you sure? You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, we argue a lot, don't we? Do we say really mean things to each other? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> now we got an A plus. Well, now I feel real bad for Joey. He even has a kid that's a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way my kids would, would say no on do mommy and daddy say mean oh, stuff to yeah. each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If There's you heard no my chance kids, of that. 
I so, should ask them. They're not here. I, I should ask them. I think that anyway. I think that she Get out of there. that question under duress and threat. All right. Well, we're gonna have our guest here in a second join us. His name is Ben Davies. He's an actor. He does stuff in the in the Christian world. Christian actor, I guess you could say. But before he comes on, while we're waiting on him, I'm gonna tell you guys. Uh, I'm gonna give you a tip on how to spice up your love life and your whole life, and that is look good. Why don't you wear a suit? Or better yet, why don't you? Come up with an occasion that you need a suit, then get a suit, put on some cologne, shave, take your significant other out. And if you're going to get a suit and you're going to look good, the only reasonable way to do that is, of course, Indochino. Every man looks better in a suit. That's just the way it is. Uh, that's why you, that's why people wear them when they go in for arraignments at court, obviously. It just... It's the, I believe you'd call it the halo effect. It makes people think better of you because one of your qualities is good. Suits are great. Indochino is great. I don't wear them every day, but I love when it's, something comes up and I have to go to uh, a wedding or a banquet or an award ceremony or a funeral. I don't love going to funerals, but still, I, I relish the occasion to wear my Indochino suit because I have one. I know that I'm not going to look like the slob at the event. They make great suits and great shirts. They make them to your exact measurements, and they fit great. And people love the wide selection of the high-quality fabrics they've got and the option to personalize the details, including the lapel, the lining, monogram. Uh, I think that's real fun. I have a nice little blue lining and some pinstripe stuff inside mine. That's just for me, though. Now, here's how it works. You visit a showroom or shop online, either one. You pick your fabric, you choose your customizations, and you submit your measurements, and you wait on that custom suit tailored just for you to arrive in just a few weeks. And I'm telling you, the measurement process you can do at home Maybe get one person to help you hold the tape measure. It's very, very easy. They'll even send you the tape measure thing to, to use. But it, there's a video that tells you how to make your measurements. It's just the easiest thing in the world. Way better than having to go down to some store and, you know, the old style of doing it. But anyway, Indochino is the way to go. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. Now, that's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, the shipping's free, which is great. And that's Indochino.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN, for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Uh, so tell me what you mean by that. You do auditions right here. Like, you'll have to get a script and memorize lines and talk to casting people remotely and do it over Skype? Sometimes, uh, a lot of times it starts out with just the video audition itself. And so these poor agents, the agents, the casting directors will scroll through all these different videos and click on like the first five seconds that they like you or not. Uh, and they whittle it down to like five and they put you on maybe a Skype call like this with like four or five people, the writer, director, and then they have to like see you like that unless you can come in person. So I've done it both ways. It kind of depends on whatever the project is. But like in real time, like if I was the casting guy, I'd be like, oh, okay, could you do that like more with an Irish accent though? And then you, it's like that kind of thing. <laughs> And then you're like, all right, give me a minute. You get a character. <laughs> exactly. You can do it like that. Gosh, that sounds terrible. I mean, we do this podcast on Skype and it's just so, or we do Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever it is, but it is so, I mean, it's amazing technologically, but gosh, is it not the same thing as being, you know, really in person kind of thing. I, I didn't think about that in film and all those other kinds of things because an audition is so nerve wracking in the first place. Anytime you come in for an in-person, you have a better shot. And that's usually the rule. It's just a bummer because, you know, in the Southeast, a lot more of the independent Christian film stuff is popping up. And then I'm like, hey, guys, I, can't, I don't want to fly in town for an audition. <laughs> you know what I mean? So a lot of these have to go like this. 
That's how cool. different is it doing like Christian movies? Like when you go do an audition, are they like, welcome, brother. We're, we're praying that you do a good job. And then did they ever tell you like God told them not to hire you? <laughs> uh, you know, when you, you hear funny. some of that stuff, sometimes it uh, raises some red flags for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. if they're like, yeah, I, I feel like God told me that you're going to come on. I mean, I take that with a grain of salt because I feel like when God tells you something, it better be literally, you better mean it kind of thing. So I've had both ways where, you know, people will pray through the entire process of their film and you see the result on camera. For example, like the Kendrick Brothers projects, like the quality and what they do is absolutely tremendous. And I know the prayer and preparation they put into every role, casting, all that kind of stuff. And then I've also been a part of some projects where people jump on like, hey, there's some money in the Christian market. I'm a Christian too, and I'm super spiritual. And they try to make these projects. So um, it can kind of go both ways and you just got to be aware and be kind of discerning. Of what's Have you ever hey, been in a situation like that though, where you felt a little creepy? Like you're like, uh-uh, I'm getting a weird vibe from these folks. Something like that. That, that has happened in the acting industry for you? Yeah, unfortunately, it was one that did not come to fruition. Well, one I shot. Okay, well, one I actually did shoot where I was playing this like demon guy, and it was insane. The stuff they were trying to make me do, and I was like, the the wardrobe did not fit right, and I, I actually had, had a skull cap that I was wearing to wear like a, a wig, and it had the wrong size, and it had like I had like a bruise and dent on my forehead from this miserable costume. Anyway, they knew something was wrong with the set, and they ended up stealing a whole bunch of money. And it was a really good book series too. They got the rights. So they are going to have the rights for, I don't know how many years they had the rights for that, but um, that whole thing got canned because the producer stole money. And then I had one that I signed on to do where <laughs> and I told, I told them, I was like, look, I got to read the whole script. I got to like, make sure it's a Christian movie, especially I want it to be a high quality kind of project. Right. I want to put any more <laughs> negative you know, movies for criticism out there. And they finally sent the script after I had told them I would, if I read the script and then they already signed me on to IMDb and were promoting it through me. And then I read the script and literally my character has a leg grow back in church. And I was like, <laughs> no way. guys, I don't feel comfortable. Doing this. <laughs> and it's one thing. Okay. Like, and one thing, if the miracle was justified or it made more sense where the movie's done really well, like storytelling is so not one dimensional. There's so many different ways you can go and do it. Well, but it was just, it was bad. It was gimmicky. They had a script. Like, it said in the script that, Somebody gets prayed for at church, missing a leg, and the the biblical spiritual healing by the Holy Spirit regrows a leg. Re- I can see everyone that's not a Christian in the audience being like, "Yep, I'm done," and just like walk out of the theater. Like, oh, this is, guys, we cannot make this movie. There's no way. Is that is that uh, that's for sure a thing now that people that they it's been tapped. In, I don't know if it's ever since the Passion or whatever, but it seems like people have been trying to ramp up how to make money off of Hollywood, trying to make money off of of Christianity, basically. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it happens with anything. It comes in waves when something's popular. When vampires were cool, there was like 12 vampire shows and movies popping out 24-7. Same with zombies were the big thing. Um, now it's anything progressive with if identity politics. But uh, yeah, they did that with Christian film. There was a big push, I think, in the 90s, too, with Christian music when that started to really take form and be profitable. And then you see that done with movies. And The Passion of the Christ, I think, was the first one that really broke in and that did well. And there was some really great stuff after that. But you can kind of see when they're purposely trying to tell a story to, I guess, get Christian points, and then it always flops. Like, when like Noah comes to mind and stuff like that. Where, or, um, um, what was the other one? One with the Exodus, Exodus movie, stuff like that, where they try to do this as a gimmick. And I think people are discerning, and also I don't think they understand what they're talking about. But then there's also, you know, groups of people that are believers and make great projects and they get it out there. You don't, um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of see it both ways, and I. I think it's a bummer too, because so many people jumped on trying to make money off them that kind of the the market, like the bubble popped where there was just so many 
hey, go see this Christian movie. Instead of like one a year where it's like, oh, guys, this is a great just Christian project we can support, not just a good movie with Christian elements, but a specifically Christian movie. And now there was like one every month. And then that kind of market popped for a lot of the independent movie producers. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to start by, I'm Joey, by the way. How you doing, man? It's good to see so, you. I want to start by, by saying that I am not gay. But you are a remarkable looking guy. Your hair's perfect. You're even looking at the camera, the little camera at the top of your computer. Your background's perfect. Like, do you, I seriously want to know? Like, are you the type that like cuts coupons at home and like takes your toothbrush to your baseboards? Like, are you a you look perfect? Like, are you a perfectionist? Gosh, you're making me blush, and you <laughs> couldn't be more wrong. No, I'm a really messy, spontaneous individual guy. This was a lot of work. All right, man, this is not just like popping out of bed. I hear, you. like, like to get <laughs> to get into this conversation. Like for me, how my mind needs to to figure this out. Like when when I say um, fireproof, facing the giants, um, what is it, the ultimate gift, and everything. Here, here's my take on it. I would have a I'm not the type of person that would tell other people, oh, man, you got to check out this movie. It's Christian, but it's, like, really neat, and uh, it's, like, different than most Christian movies. I would just – it's just me. I would be kind of embarrassed to uh, recommend some of those movies. But they get me. Like, seriously, when I watch Fireproof, I'm like, that gum uh, Kirk Cameron got me. Like, I'm sitting here crying, man. They made it. Like, uh, it You makes cried so at Fireproof, it- literally, are you saying? Oh yeah, it's a super emotional movie. Yeah, for sure. I just thought it was such a beautiful story. Um, but like, what are, are those the sorts of movies that you act in? Like, I, I'm I'm just trying to get a, a snapshot of 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 what sort of entertainment you're in. Yeah, I've done a, mostly. I'd say in that genre, I've done some romantic comedy stuff and some family film. Um, but that's more of the kind of medium that I'm dancing in is the Christian film market. Like once you get in and some people trust you and they see your work, like in Los Angeles, no one has seen Courageous Fireproof. <laughs> you know, right. but the people that are wanting to do these projects and put out content similar, you know, yeah. these kind of messages, Christian elements, they've already seen you on camera and they trust you more. And so it gives you more of a leg in the door. It's kind of, and the community kind of talk and know each other. Usually like uh, I can only imagine speaking of, you know, Christian bands crushing it. You guys should write a script because Bart Millard's movie, uh, I can only imagine, is destroying the box office. But I know I've worked with basically Dang. everyone on that movie. And uh, so once you are in that world, then when a role pops up for a, you know, mid-20s Caucasian dude, then I can be in the, you know, five uh, call list. Now, has there been any sort of transition of, like, uh, actors that are typically in Christian movies being picked up by mainstream Hollywood? And and then my other question would be if you did and you like uh, swore or uh, you know just said something vulgar or, or something like that, would that be burning bridges uh, for the Christian scene? Like, are, is it like a super sensitive, uptight culture? I would say, well, for your answer to your first question, people starting the Christian market breaking into uh, mainstream right now. Uh, if you're straight and white, absolutely not. I don't think there's any <laughs> way for you to possibly break in the market right now which that's a whole different issue. We could talk about that with uh, kind of that big push in the mainstream uh, productions. But I know as far as like anything that I would go out for, I have a certain line. I talk about this with a lot of different people, places I speak about what your, uh, what your convictions are as far as what you're willing to do on camera. Yeah. Kirk Cameron famously will not kiss anyone except his wife. So when fireproof, the scene maybe you cried at, that was actually not Aaron Bethay. It was actually his real wife. That was right. in the scene. They had to cut around it. Oh, weird. Um, stuff like that, that, 
yeah, so th those kind of things I don't have a problem with, especially as an actor. I mean, this is stuff that you kind of talk to with your wife as well. Like, you know, that this is so not real. This is not actually intimate. It is hilarious to me, by the way, when people <laughs> start talking about this stuff and they think, oh, it's like the notebook. Where, like the rain's falling. It's like, no, it's hour eight. They're pouring rain on you. You're freezing. There's 12 people around. You got a microphone. You got to get the shot or you're out. It is the most unromantic, unlike, there's like nothing there. It's two people that trust each other doing their job. It went, went done right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like most of the times that's the way it is. And it's great to work with people you have chemistry with, but it's not the same situation where it's just like, oh, they're actually in the bed sheets doing whatever. Like, no, it's, it is not. It's like a super stressful time. It is not the way it looks <laughs> in the final product. Like stre stressful as in like awkward and, oh, this is, this is weird. Like, what do you mean by stressful? Uh, well, well, normally, because normally, especially on independent projects, you're on a tight schedule where if you yeah. lose a day, you're okay. losing like 50 yeah. grand, which could be everything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but you do come. I have had a few times where I've worked with an actress uh, that was just like made the situation awkward herself. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was yeah. just like, let's go like, and, you know, and you always talk beforehand. It's like, OK, do you mind if I like, hold your hand? If I put my hand here, it's just kind of being professional to make sure um, there's no like weird boundaries that you shouldn't cross. But I mean, and then you have that happen too, where it still just gets awkward with the person. But I think that's much more rare. The, the most common thing is you're just stressed because the timeline that you're on, you have to get this shot done. And if yeah. you don't, the whole project can be ruined. Well, yeah. so on Joey's previous question or part two of that, uh, you mentioned the Christian music industry, which is what I totally understand and have been around for since the 90s, basically. Um, and there's a lot of situations there where people – you know, they wind up having to really fake a lot of stuff and hide a lot of stuff about their lifestyle or what they're really like because of the, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess it's any industry like that when your reputation seems to to matter in a, in a moral way for, for getting work and stuff like that. And it really winds up le lending to a bunch of really gross commercial stuff and a lot of fake you know, reputation management way that we've always found pretty distasteful. Or maybe not even always. We've I'd say that the other way around have participated in and been guilty of that and then have since come to find that very, very disgusting, I would say. But is it like that in the movie industry where you do you need to appear to be a good guy to get a job in the movie or not drink beer or ha have said <laughs> fuck in some other uh, movie that you, are you're on air as stuff, you know, like that? I, I would say in general that hasn't been much of a problem. Like, I mean, especially – I mean, especially when it comes to just drinking or, or swearing, I don't think that I would, I haven't seen anyone lose a job for that. I mean, for example, like God's Not Dead, uh, the first one, the lead guy of that, which I actually auditioned for too, but I, I was in college at the time and it didn't come out. It was, uh, what's his name? Anyway, he had just done some like nude thing too, I guess. So mm -hmm. they were, Oh really? I, I remember my manager being like, it's interesting. They're going to have him go out and promote this movie. And some people might look up in his past that he's done some nudity. It really doesn't. As long as like what what you're talking about and what you're presenting on camera is what the people are mainly going to see and be moved by, most people aren't going to dig into your like, oh, I like this actor. Let me dig up every little thing he's ever said on Twitter. And he said this right. one thing. Now it's a horrible movie and it's a horrible performance and he's a terrible Christian or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's way more rare. Now, if it happens, uh, if you're more popular, maybe like someone like Chris Pratt, I'm sure people would, when you're that big and you come out to say some Christian stuff, people might dig up some stuff in your past and try to beat you over the head with it. But I would say in general, especially in the projects that I've been a part of, I haven't seen any discrimination of, oh my gosh, this person has said this bad word or whatever. Um, in fact, I've probably seen the exact opposite. I have seen some sets where they want to have the heads of their department be believers mm -hmm. and they want to hire everyone else that's not. So it can kind of trickle yeah. down and then people on set are totally moved because they've been on so many other secular projects. Like what is different about this project? This feels so different. The environment, the way people interact, kind of like the atmosphere. 
And then you get a great place to, to witness people there. And as far as like the people on camera, like I said, I think the majority is just your performance on camera. I don't think anyone would, you know, unless, I mean, unless you're like, uh, uh, Charlie Sheen or something in a movie. People <laughs> but even then, if, you, if you're like, Hey, my life's changed. It's like, it's a nice heroic moment. They're like, okay, great. You turned your life around. So I haven't, I've felt in general, it hasn't been like that. I've had some people try to attack different projects for the stupidest things. And that's just like the crazy, you know, 1% Christian fanatics. Yep. So like, ben, ben, how, how do you, uh, how, how tightly do you hold on uh, when it comes to your morals and balancing that with art? I, like I'll put you in a fictional situ- situation. Let's say you get a call. Someone's just like, man, we, we really think you would be perfect for this role. And it's not a Christian movie what are some things that would be deal breakers? Well, it doesn't like even that. have to be fictional. We we had Mike Bogle. Do you remember? I don't know if you know him or not. He's a Christian. He was in Under the Dome. He was the lead actor on Under the Dome. He came on the podcast, and uh-huh. he said that he got a lot of pushback for doing some sex scenes, if you will. But it wasn't like that. He, you know, and, and he, he, he thought of it more like having the conversation with his wife and what does she feel comfortable with, but he did think of it as art. And I think that's what you're getting at, Joey, like, is your – do you think of what you're doing as your art and your craft? And so sometimes it might require something that other people might be uncomfortable with, but you aren't. Yeah. I think it would depend on the light that it's shown in. I mean, even if, you, if I played like the villain in some movie and it showed his life being ruined because of choices and I did some bad stuff to show that I would be totally okay. Showing that side of the coin. Cause you have to show the evil to have it a contrast or something to compare it to in the light. And, and so when people would see that, like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. Like, I, I'm going to go to sleep totally fine tonight knowing that I showed the fall of this person in the most realistic way possible. And that happens right. in the Bible all the time, too. We have to show kind of both sides, consequence and, and, yeah. and the result of, of the other side. So there, and you're going to have people that are just going to get offended. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like uh, being politically incorrect in the church, too. It's like I'm, I'm willing to have some people be upset with me because of their own personal convictions. Like, you know, some people be upset if, you, if you're a girl and you're dancing on camera or something. And it's just like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that to the bank because, like, I know who I am in Christ, and I know like my convictions here, and I'm not gonna cross these. But I can see the bigger picture as far as what's gonna happen for me doing it on camera. What is so that? It really depends. You got on that project. line? What is that conviction line for you? Can you get? Can we get specific to what you, yeah, what yeah. you so, won't do on camera? Yeah. So I, I would never like I've done this in all my auditions. I'll never take the Lord's name in vain because mm-hmm. it's just to me that's just it's so gimmicky to I guess some of the to, to pander to some of the audience in the in the bubbles especially in uh, Los Angeles. It's just like a common thing you do. And that's language that you could replace with any swear word that I really don't care about saying. Right. <laughs> like you're just specifically demeaning, like I think at the church. So I change those line in auditions all the time. So and even, then, even, even like a, like I get that respect that even like a simple God don't do that. Well, I, no, I would say God in, in, in a, in a, so you're movie, saying like, GD I would say maybe? like GD or, or gotcha. say just like Jesus name out, just, just to gotcha. use yeah. it as like a frustrated profanity. Yep. Like in and a so secular audition, the script will say, you're supposed to say, Jesus Christ, why did you come in two hours late? And, and you'll just yeah. change it. And then the, they, they go, <laughs> he hey. would change it to motherfucker. <laughs> but but, you, but they, they don't say, they go, hang on a second. Did you know? We yeah, definitely they, use gimmicks here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the, with the directors, would they know, they'd notice that immediately, right? Like in a yeah, sec- some of the writers, yeah. some of the writers are really picky about that kind of stuff, but I have not had it too bad i've had some people that have had told me stories where they were like got really hammered for this kind of thing i have not come up against that and uh granted it's been it hasn't been as popular audition wise in la for straight white guys the past two years but every other time every time i've gone in still I've, every time i've changed it no one's really noticed it mm-hmm. um i've even at one point been in a uh, training session with a really high up acting coach that works with a bunch of people on Grey's anatomy and uh 
and other places like that. And I, she wanted me to say the line. She was like, say, take the Lord's name in vain, basically. And, and then say the next line because it gets you in the right emotion. And yeah. I was like, oh, I can't say that. I'm a Christian. She's like, oh, it's fine. Like, just say something else. And I was like, all right, cool. And it was totally fine. It was yeah. like, I, I mean, I, I know there's people like that, though, that would be really upset, I guess, if you did that. But I, I can live with them being upset. I can, yeah. you know, do the performance differently. But you do I a lot. You, cool. you attempt to and would like to do. Uh, do you have it in mind for your career that you'd like to do more secular crossover? Get into. The- Hold on, Matt. Do you, ben, do you have like other yeah. do you have other like Christianese cussing? Like, you know, do you go like, what the F? Or do you go like, <laughs> cheese it's pizza Christ. <laughs> absolutely not no i'd probably okay. rather say the real thing than say that if it says jesus yeah just say cheese it's though cheese it's yeah i had a guy one of my buddies actually played that exact same character in this mtv thing where he was a christian youtuber and he was like guys instead of like you know you know should i say shiz or whatever yeah like so like that and they were literally just making fun of him he did play this entire character just about that hey See, I, want to ask, I want to ask well, a quick let, question too uh before we but, before we move on from that i'm sorry yeah. toby but like why and i again i hope you heard me say i think i actually think that's cool that you're standing up for your convictions and i totally get that why wouldn't you even apply though what you said as far as you know if 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 it's a villain, I'm totally down with acting evil because people need to see that. What if you were acting as like a dude that was at wit's ends that didn't, you know, know Jesus or anything like that and just broke down and started crying saying, Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why not the crossover there? Just, just because, uh, you know, well, I would say in that situation, I could rationalize if the person was coming and you're literally crying out to God. Like it, it's so it's it's you can kind of I, I feel like especially as a writer, or, uh, an actor going through all these scripts that I've gone to and especially trying to and picking apart films that I watch. You can tell when the writing is genuine and when they're trying to yeah. make a point. And that's something that's happened so much in all the projects, especially this Oscar season. I'm like, good Lord, just the, the intention of trying to destroy tradition and uh and religious uh, norms and everything, it, it just strong across every movie. And so if something is done right, and it's going to point to God anyway. So the crying out when someone's in desperation like that, I can gotcha. totally justify it. It depends on the project. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to hit on you. You, you kind of mentioned a couple of times like that. What is in going on in Hollywood right now? Is it, do you feel because of uh, being a, a white male, uh, 20 something year old that you do have less opportunity now? Like are that, is Hollywood making a conscious effort to not hire people that look like you? Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time to live in Los Angeles. I mean, it's a crazy time the past three years, really. And it was just stirred up by the political cycle. I don't think anyone knew racism was even a thing anymore until about three years ago when it was used as a political weapon for identity politics. And that's strewn into, I mean, basically politics is just downstream from culture. So like, whatever is happening, whatever Hollywood's deciding to push out, that is going to be more the political push because it gets people rallied behind certain things, certain images they'll latch onto and phrases and stuff. And so it really got interesting like three years ago. And now, especially, I think there was, a, there was an article that broke in uh, the backstage, I guess, where some cast managers were coming forward and being like, every single thing coming to TV, no matter what, is going to be at least 50% ethnic. And that's, you know, fine to have a push like that, but that was only because of like the surge. It wasn't because it was going to make the stories better. Like if you're going to make a, you know, a sitcom in Nebraska, it's going to be mostly white people just like in Atlanta, like the shows like Atlanta or empire or blackish, like you're set in a black community is totally fine, but they're going to make at least everything 50%. And so you see a lot of the writing starting to skew one way or enforcing in characters that don't necessarily make sense. And then some <laughs> of the agents were upset about that. And then, well, you know, it kind of comes in waves. Um, 
like some certain things get popular and have a push, but that was a big thing that started happening about two or three years ago. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like organic affirmative action. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's even affirmative action. It's people are okay, like for example, okay, when you when you look up, it, it's really it's by force. It really is because if you look up any of the reviews, say for some of these movies, what they'll say is take a Quiet Place for instance, one of the best movies of the entire year. But what will happen is it'll be like, yes, this is a great movie, but it has some really. I think it was New York Times was like the regressive politics of a Quiet Place, and they were hammering it for having a traditional Christian family. And having a traditional like uh, mother father kind of jobs and duties, and they were like, "This is such a regressive film." So you get hammered for doing something that is truthful and honest, and then you have a movie like Ghostbusters come out and be like, "The movie isn't very good, but this is what we need right now. Like this is so necessary." <laughs> and they start to promote it and influence with the different articles and the way they, the way the critics will review a movie. The same thing kind of happened with um, with Black Panther. And so it's not really by it's, it's not organic. Like it's if you steer the gotcha. wrong way, then you'll get hammered. Because in uh, like for example, Black Panther, this was like one of the most frustrating stories. I covered this on the Rebel Media, which was the movie's fine. Like it's a good movie. I said it was a good movie too, but it had the same score as the Shawshank Redemption. I'm like, how? And I looked it up, and it was the very first Australian reviewer to give it a just a, it gave it a sixty percent, which is just below like rotten or whatever. And the fact that one person said that it wasn't a perfect movie. There was like four articles written about this person obviously being a racist. And so you're like, if you dare step outside of this is a great movie because of these things and not saying, look, you kind of forced this in. It's not as good a story now. Then you're labeled as a horrible human being and it kind of keeps everyone in line. Yeah. So I don't think it's organic necessarily. I think it's more of a like a push. Well, I, I think there tough, is a real though. push right now for uh, guilty by association. Same way as like we, we've experienced that ourselves. Like, you know, we're in a screamo band and I've heard tons of people say, why aren't there more minority screamo bands or people of minority women, you know, blacks, uh, Mexican, what any other race besides white dudes doing screamo or hardcore music that sometimes I feel frustrated with that because I don't, I have not intentionally tried to stop anybody from creating that music. Yeah. Now at the same time, I do feel like, and I was, this is what I was going to ask you, do you feel like it has been maybe an easier road? Is it harder for minorities to get into film? Maybe, maybe there is a, it seems like as if there is something going on with, uh, you know, if the Oscars are all white or something like that. I, I don't like the way the political side of it make, make you feel bad, but uh, well, yeah, it's a farce. So you would say as far, I don't, I don't know. Like I do think it seems, uh, like what went, didn't, uh, not that many. What, what's your take on something like that, like the Oscars and it being more white than, than black or Mexican? Or, or Yeah, this was, this was I'll give you some anecdotal evidence just for this, too. Like people always were talking about the gender pay gap, too, with like females and males represented or directors or whatever. Or like women had not having a power, especially in films as actresses. The first actor, actor period to ever be so popular with the American public, they were able to demand their own wages. The first person ever was Mary Pickford in 1915. And then the most, the most wages ever earned per by movies ever, I think maybe was passed by Robert Downey Jr., but was Samuel L. Jackson for like 30 years. And it's, and then like the audience will just, whoever's the big draw is the big draw. And then everyone else gets paid because this person is a big draw. The highest money maker in the thirties and the thirties was Rin Tin Tin, which was a dog. And like, it just kind of <laughs> depends on whatever's popular at the time. This is, it's just right. so stupid to me. And I looked up the Oscars thing. It's exactly proportionate with the uh, the demographics of the United States. It was like 13% Oscar winners. That's not even nominations, Oscar winners for projects. It was the one year, there's only four, was it four nominees for Best Actors, something like that? And it just happened this year, it was white people, for whatever reason. But I mean, it, if, well, if 10% of the population yeah. is black, then it's like, well, one in 10 roughly would be, you know, fair too. So it's just, it was... 
you know, it was one year this happened. Everyone lost their minds. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, that all comes so down to, to two things. One is it's about opportunity, not the outcome. I mean, you can't – and especially in a, yeah. in, a, in a small sample size, like out of all movies and acting performances, we had to narrow it down to four nominees. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that that can be representative of – what, you know, it's just a bad sample size statistically, so it ha- therefore is meaningless regardless. So th- you can't control the outcomes of stuff like that, or you, you just invalidate the whole thing. And of course, what we want is more opportunity. And the other part of that is people don't understand that most stuff like this, especially in art and creativity, it's not a zero sum game. You, there can be more of everything. It's possible mm-hmm. to make more movies with more people, also with different. Stories, different regions, different minority. You can do anything. Anything can be made. It's not because if one person does one thing, that that's a finite resource that can never be. You know, that's it. Like it's not. You're not matter factly taking something away from somebody else to make a certain movie a certain way. There's you can do addition to that. And, okay, but, but I'll push back a little bit. It don't. Are, are we saying here? Like, for example, think about all the Christian movies that you know. It doesn't. Are there lead black actors or like? Are we consciously doing something because? And, and I think the underlying thing here, and if we just looked at numbers, is it might sell better. Like is, maybe Christianity is kind of a little white, and so uh, white folks maybe get more. What do you What do you think, Ben? Am I Am I getting crazy here? Because I, I mean, how many black actors do you get to work with? Maybe it's Maybe it's equal, but. Probably, maybe not. It doesn't seem that way when I see the posters. The best friend in uh, Fireproof was black. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, T.C. Stalling's got like three movies coming out too, and he was the lead of Fireproof. And it, just, it really kind of depends. I mean, like I said, you're pulling from a smaller sample size, and then you're, yeah. if you make something specifically for, you know, one community's specific uh, culture or issues, it's just going to limit, like the, the largest demographic you can hit is is Caucasian. It's, and if you take like a, what do they call it? like non-Hispanic white, which is still like basically why it's like 73%, like the base of the population can include non-Hispanic whites. And so like, I just think in general, I think it's just the population or whatever story you're telling necessarily. Right. And so if you make a movie specifically for the black community, great. I think a lot of those, I love like all those movies like that. I mean, if it's, it's written well, I, I don't think there's any specific intentional bias mm-hmm. towards a, you know, a, a group of people or a, or a, uh, you know, marginalized group or whatever it's called. And that was one thing to do with the Oscar situation. So people didn't count, take into account like all the Latino winners over the years, or or uh, Jewish, or whatever. This is just, it, the fact they say Oscar so white was just like the most ridiculous thing ever. But as far as the just so I get off that that uh, that soapbox for a minute. But the uh, yeah, as far as the Christian movies, I have not seen it like that. I mean, but uh, you know, maybe it's because of my white privilege. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's a problem with art in general, and because like you said before, if the culture and politics and stuff is downstream from Hollywood, but then yet Hollywood and creators of art, I mean, they are trying to make things that they think also will sell well or fit the culture too. So it's kind of like it. It, it there's a little bit of a chicken or egg thing about it, and it is reasonable to think we would like to have a more diverse. In my in my view, it, it would be nice to have more diversity across things because there's you know just like band aids are made for white people or whatever you know like it, <laughs> that, that's just because there's more of them and it sells better. And of course, so of course the the it, without thoughtful action of course most movies are going to be white and the white people will hire white i mean that that's not discrimination though i don't I've never I don't thought about way. band-aids before i don't ever. put i don't that count that as unreal. discrimination though. i think that's what people are talking about too though maybe we just don't realize it you know we don't have brown band-aids right and, and yeah. i'm just saying that's not that's not active discrimination but on the other hand it 
there would be more. It's a sales point, though. You know yeah, what I mean? It like is you a sales are point, but running the numbers, it's reasonable right? to want to uh, apply a little market pressure or people's, if people's, you know, people want organic food now because they want it. And now right. McDonald's will be selling it eventually. So it's going to, it'll happen with what people want. And America is saying clearly with the market pressure that we would like to see more diversity in Hollywood. And that can't be wrong. That actually sounds kind of like a good idea. But I, although I, I think they haven't been discriminating against black people, and I don't think they're discriminating against white people now. They're just going to whatever's going to make them more famous, more money, do better. I mean, it's, it's, everybody's still pretty much being selfish in motivation. But maybe yeah, that gets I, I us to a place where we eat healthier and do have more diversity in our movies. That would be good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's great for there to be equal opportunity for the best person to get the job, no matter what. I think it's been, uh, I, I think I, what was always kind of giving me or giving me hope was that um, the Hollywood always saw green, even though sometimes it's just so in its own bubble, it doesn't know what America wants. Oh, green, that's the best. That, um, yeah, yeah, because they just will go for whatever makes the most money, which is why they were trying to make Christian films, but then kind of spin it certain directions and be like, oh, you would never even know this was a biblical movie, which was the dumbest way to market Noah ever. But um, the uh, but it was you could take like the mid 2000s where the big push was America was bad because of its military because Bush was the president. And so they made all these movies bashing uh, wars or the way uh, Americans portray themselves. I can't remember the movies off the top of my head. But then finally, American Sniper came out and it crushed the box office. And they're like, well, what what is this? Like, how does this like hit? Why did this make so much money? And it's like, well, most people feel like this. And they were just trying to force this one thing down. And now what freaks me out is because this now it's because politics has become so polarized. And especially Hollywood has stuck its flag directly into identity politics and progressive mentality that they're taking projects and willingly destroying them and losing money. So like my example would be uh, Disney buying up Marvel, which is arguably one of the most beloved franchise. I mean, everyone is diehard with these comic books, like huge fans care about every little minute detail. Everyone's loved them. Everyone's loved them. There hasn't been a single most mostly hasn't been any politics injected into it. They get Star Wars, equally passionate fans. Every, I mean, they even come out saying that this is a feminist movie. This is, we want to make a new story. We want to destroy the past. And they are, their fans are in an uproar and they're calling their fans now like racist, horrible people. But really, they're just destroying the intellectual property, knowing what they're full well doing. And then you see this now finally taking hold in the mm -hmm. last two movies where you see like people going to the movies less and these movies that should always crush every single one, just like Marvel. You see Solo pulling in like 150 million. I bet they spent, it was $250, $250 million just in budget, which means PA is about 550. It's not even come close, and it's just—it's just. So Solo's a huge bust. Take the politics. So Solo's a huge bust, and it's because, and in your view, it's because why? What did they do? I haven't seen it, so I don't know who's in it. What did they do? Uh, you know, in, for that identity politics agenda in that movie, I'm not aware. Well, it started on the heels of because everyone was pretty hopeful. I think after the first Star Wars: The Force Awakens, where it was a new take on the story, mm -hmm. I everyone liked the character. So it was. They made they made Ray a Mary Sue, which that was because they had to make her as good as she could possibly be. There was no struggle for her to go up against, and that's what I was saying about like the. This is kind of my point about the um, uh, making it more diverse on purpose. Is if you do that, if you force in characters, the hardest thing to get the audience to do is to believe you. If you can mm -hmm. sit in the seat, make you believe you're in a fantasy space opera and care about this made up character, that is magic. And when you do something that breaks the rules of the world, that doesn't make sense, or they don't earn it. It's just like. Uh, it makes it flat. And that's exactly what happens in some of these movies where they force in characters for no reason or make like the, and what the, they do in solo the, like that. So, well, okay. So solo, well, it was coming on the heels of the last Jedi, which was an, a, 
an abomination to the source material, the way they, they did it and about like destroying the past, nothing matters. And then so people were willingly not willing to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And in this one, what they did was they took the most, I think it's voted on ranker, the most popular Star Wars character ever and the fourth most popular character in history, Han Solo, you make a movie about him and I, and they just neutered him. Like they tried to make every character around him for the sake of equality, almost that they were all equally as good or better. So he could mm-hmm. never separate himself. The more story wasn't even about him. And the villains that they were setting up had no payoff because okay, if you haven't seen it, I don't spoil it. But like literally they were, they went to the, I point, don't mind if you spoil it. So go ahead and do it. And if you want to pause or skip, spoiler alert, go ahead. Yes. Okay. Spoiler alert ahead. But, and, and okay, well, the two points on this, but one point was the best part of the movie was the first 20 minutes. I had so much hope for it. They set up this villain. It was great. This, this Woody, Woody Harrelson's like wife sacrificed herself in this heist. It was fantastic. And they lose their best friend because this one awesome villain, it's this great villain. And they finally meet up at the end and they're about to like have a showdown. I'm like, Oh, finally something's going to happen in this movie. And then the villain takes off her helmet and she's a biracial young black child and was like, yeah, we've all, and it's a band of like these ethnic misfits. Like we've all been oppressed by this white imperialist. And so, you know, we're just kind of on the same team and they're like, Oh, basically we're all good. Forgetting the oh, fact okay. that you killed my wife, my best yeah. friend, everything. But because now we're all oppressing the same team, it's just, it fits into the exact narrative of what's going on in politics. And what that does was it doesn't just make a political movie bad. It makes the characters weak and yeah. flat. And so there's not a single 13-year-old boy or girl walking that movie that would, A, want to be Han Solo or remember him in five, year, five years or any girls being taken by this guy's cavalier mentality or his charm or charisma because you had to neuter him the entire movie. And so no one, like there's not a single child that's going to remember this, but all of our parents remember Han Solo or we remember Han Solo as like this awesome character. And they just killed it for the sake of politics. And it's just, it's crazy. And it's happening in so many movies. Yeah, man, they're hurting themselves. Moving on from politics, do you feel like as a Christian actor, do you think the the people uh, you've ever feel ostracized from Hollywood? Like, oh, he's just in those kinds of movies. Uh, no, man, honestly, I, I think. Or has it changed even? It's a, it's a caricature of like what the Christians are. Like I've had, I lived, I lived in West Hollywood, which is the gayest place on planet earth statistically. Like per person is the gayest area. And I had some great friends that had a fantastic time. When when anyone heard I was from the Southeast and a Christian, they'd be like, oh, I thought you guys all married your cousin. We're like racist or whatever. I'm like, (laughs) no, man. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's this weird caricature they've been shown constantly in every piece of, you know, every article that comes out or or really movie or series. That's just kind of the way it's portrayed. And so when you meet people face to face, it's completely different. Like I've not had anyone really shut me down. And even the, the biggest thing, like Christian belief, I guess, and even you know, being straight or white, like really means nothing compared to who you voted for. Like that was the really? big, the big split was if they found out, like I had friends known each other for 10 years and this was the day of the election. They were known each other for 10 years and they were working out. And then one of the guys actually asked him like, Hey, who'd you vote for? He's like, Oh, I voted for Trump. And he lost his mind, had to walk off. And then like, just left the guy at the gym and to come over. It's like, you're, you knew the person through and through exactly who this person was, but because of who these people are portrayed as mm-hmm. now it's, you can't even associate with them. And that's the kind of divide that's happened. And I guess some of the Christians have been lumped into that, you know, group because most Christians are conservative as a general rule, not, not by any means all, but, um, and that's, that's been the big divide I've seen. So kind of taking Toby's question even a little further, do you think it's fair, a fair assessment to, for me to say that when I watch movies like the ones that I named earlier, it does have a different feel that I could easily slap the, on the word cheesy. Now, at the same time, I, like I said, uh, fireproof for 
specifically got to me still. But is, isn't there a different vibe and maybe it's unavoidable because of the convictions of the producers and not wanting to cross lines? Or do you think that's an unfair thing for me to say as far as comparing the two? I think it's 100% fair. It's the same thing I just talked about with like the divert forcing in there where sometimes it's gimmicky. You're trying to force characters into situations to make specific points. Yeah. And that happens in Christian movies a lot. It's a very similar market to uh, horror films where it's like, okay, we need this many jump scares. We need this many girls showing their boobs and this many shower scenes. We'll make this amount of money. Right. Yeah. And so people be like, all right, we'll do like a couple Hail Marys. We'll have a bad atheist professor, which I've, I see that one more time. <laughs> I'll lose my mind. Like it's, it's so cheap. It's like, this is bad storytelling. It's like, we'll pit this person against this person. They'll be oppressed. They'll be a come to Jesus moment and we'll have a movie. And it's like, no, like it just, it doesn't fit. Like it, I think, especially... We all, we all have that, that truth part in our mind where it's just like, this does not work for whatever reason. And then there's so many Christian movies that do that, and they deservingly are called cheesy. Um, now, there's some movies that are just fun Christian films that may come off in cheesy in moments on purpose to be light that right. are still a like tremendous message like you're talking about where it just hits you for whatever reason. Yeah. And that's, that's the magic that movies are always trying to get is like, how do I hit the person? And there's no right way to do it. Like, it's just, it's such a, it's such a, it's not like a, there's an equation to the way scripts are written. But then there's also something intangible that's the kind of creative aspect of it that's organic that you can't, that all these studios that are trying to make money cannot recreate. Mm -hmm. And they try to recreate that in Christian films all the time. And, you know, some Christian films have it, some don't. That's awesome, man. Well, it seems like Hollywood, great. too, is, is making, a, is starting to realize there's a lot of money to be made, maybe. Uh, the uh, last question I got for you, Ben. How many Christian movies do you see and you think, oh, man, that was cheesy? And I'll give you an example. I just couldn't believe God's Not Dead, how evil they made the atheist. <laughs> like, he was like the, was the worst human ever. And I was, I, I understand, but I, I do know some atheists and they seem pretty cool. I would, I'd be like a little blown away, you know, if they were just like that cruel. Do you think, like, do you ever see movies and like, man, I wish they would be a little bit more kind to people that don't believe like us? Or, or are you feeling like it's, it's moving in a good direction? Um, yeah, I think they could definitely do better as far as that goes. And that's always the, the audience is such a great test as long as you're not like leading them of, of what's going to work. That's like the, the biggest thing in movies, especially independent movies is your test audience and you test it in front of people, like real audience. Yeah. Like, what did you think about this? And without question, every time that movie comes up, it's like, Oh my gosh, the atheist just being mean to his wife for no reason. <laughs> and I will say, I read that script from start to finish in the first draft <laughs> and, and uh it was way more over the head and, really uh, yeah and harold cronk um actually I, he did some great stuff with that movie he um specifically one thing that got me was where the uh the muslim family when she comes to comes to christ and he kicks her out it originally stopped there but then the next the very next thing is him crying in the hallway because this is devastating to him like this is this is the the, the religion that he has dedicated himself to and this is just a horrible situation he's going to with his daughter and that like grounded in like a, some form of humanity and that was to me like one of the saving graces of that and i think there were moments with the pr professor that did land like especially at the end where he's talking about his mother and then you you can you can understand that like that makes sense like the stuff with your wife makes no sense you just mean like right. But, but having that pain from your mother and stuff like that, that lands with people. And so that's the reason that that movie still worked to an extent. But I, I there, it can always be improved. And those are some stuff that I really had a problem with, like with the uh, when they portray people like that, because most atheists obviously are not like that. Right. <laughs> not the worst people on Earth. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, Ben, we appreciate you being on, man. It was great having you on and, and enlightening, enlightening us a little bit about the, the Hollywood Christian industry. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. I'm sorry. There's a lot of what? stuff that I was hoping to talk about, too. And we just flew oh, yeah, I know. We just kept going. Well, well, we'll have you back on. You got any uh, movies coming out in the future here? Yeah, actually, uh, I guess I could. 
Can I announce it now? Well, I'm going to shoot something. Teen Wolf 3? What did you say? Teen Wolf 3? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish. Like, hopefully there'll be some yeah. stuff coming up on that. But I have uh, Fearless Faith, which is a, it's a cop movie. Christian cop movie, which a lot of people recognize. I'm actually wearing the exact same uniform. Uh, that's coming out at some point, I don't know, next year. And then uh, If You're Gone is a romantic mystery thriller, which is very, and it's Christian. Romantic mystery Christian thriller. Wait, coming Fearless out, Faith, uh, and it's about cops? Yeah. Wow. That hits a, now, that, it's that inevitable. That it's over there, doesn't it? It's inevitable that movies are, are, Christian movies are going to start taking chances and becoming more, I mean, I, there's almost no doubt in my mind that there's going to be like a shocking film where it's just like, whoa, these are Christian writers. I can't believe they have that in there. There, You know, it's it happens a lot. But some of the best movies you'll, that you'll see that are supposedly secular are written by Christian writers because like truth is truth. And if you have a hero that is fantastic, he is going to be an abstraction of what Jesus represents in some form or fashion. So mm-hmm. they're the best, expect, and then like, and even in horror films like The, the Conjuring, written by the two very devout yeah. Christian brothers. But the reason why those movies work is because there's an element of hope also in them. And it shows you like the terrors and the stuff you're going through, um, through it. But I mean, a lot of the movies like you're talking about uh, do have Christian elements that are great. Um, I think there are going to be more Christian like genre movies, maybe that will take that risk, but I think yeah. it'll be, I think it'll be slower. Hopefully they do that. Hopefully it becomes more and more, you know, acceptable. Awesome. What's the chance Thanks, we see you in a remake of Bible man? <laughs> I actually know what you're talking about. <laughs> Zero. I don't think that's ever going to be rebooted. I don't, I don't see that happening. But in that buddy from Charles and Chargers, <laughs> I was I would do it, man. I, I would love a lightsaber and smack. All right, man. We really appreciate having you on, man. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have you back and talk some more about the other stuff we didn't get to. Yeah, definitely, dude. I love that. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Hey, I wanted to. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to tell you or, or ask you guys what y'all would have done as parents in my situation with the whole Jesus Christ stuff. I was, and I'm getting to the point. Jesus now where, Christ. <laughs> yeah, like like taking his name in vain, taking his name in vain. Oh, I see. So, that's uh, tough. <laughs> so I've I've got to be careful at this point. Podcasting is changing for me because my kids are getting older, and so I feel like they're. More individuals. Wait, wait, so wait. I don't want to just but say all the, our, whole, our last 379 episodes are online. So I know. And no, it, no, no. I know, but their yeah. the their thoughts and what they say now is a little more sensitive because they're older. They're not dumb little kids. So, yeah, anyway. but I mean, this is a whole topic you just threw out there. You get you have to be more careful. Is that even? I mean, this yeah. That so me so loop. yeah, it's easy. One of my one of my kids. I'm driving uh, down the road and it's pouring down rain and I I was pretty sure they said this. And I was like, what did you just say? Like, they were riding down the road, and my kid says, Jesus Christ is raining. <laughs> so and so, so I look at him, and I'm like, what did you just say? Jesus Christ, because it's raining so hard. I was like, uh. so I want to know, I want to know real so quick what, what you guys would do, because I, I talked I talk them through. And I said, look, I don't think Jesus is up there pissed off at you right now. I really yeah. don't. I think Jesus is 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 down, fine, or whatever. I was like, I just don't think it's a good thing to say. And uh, I was like, this is who we call God and who we worship. And I'm just thinking it's probably, I was like, I, I don't, I really don't want you to say this in my house. Maybe now, maybe uh, you'll think differently when you leave the house. And then I said in the South also, I mean, people put this almost on the level as the F word. Like it is really offensive. And I kind of t- and uh, talked them through. And then sure enough, two days later, same one, 
back in back seat this time was just like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? And I'm just like, what, what did we just talk about? And so this 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 time that Priscilla was funny. in the car and uh, kind of had the same sort of deal. Like, I do not want them to feel like, oh, shoot, I messed up. I just want to instruct them, hey, here's probably why it's not a good idea. But how, how would you guys, I mean, would you guys have said anything? Or you mean, like, oh, it doesn't matter? Or, I mean, how would y'all I mean, it? rewind a few years ago, I would have been like, oh, man. What? But now, the way I look at it is, first of all, when I hear that, I'm so glad I got to hear that story and think it's adorable. And there is nothing even close to sin there or bad. And the only reason you don't think that we don't want them to say it is, one, we want to recognize their God, of course. I think that's a, maybe a small component. The other is you just don't want other people to hear it. If they say that in class or at church, it, people might freak out and think, what kind of parents Joey and Priscilla or something like that? What kind like of that? pastor that, is Joey? I know. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, like, they, he didn't say that to uh, denounce God or to put God down or to even really use it as a slur intentionally. It's just a, a phrase. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I love that he said it. Like that's just great. Oh, so it's one of my sons for sure. Okay, well, gotcha. I was assuming it, well, maybe I'm wrong. Know, but let, this, which one I told is it? Toby tell this, him. Yeah, that's what he's got to be careful about. I'll tell y'all off air. Okay, but I told Toby this the other day. But I have a somebody that I know that posted a post on Facebook that I I, I made my head spin really when when I read it. It was Twitter. I don't know what it was. And they said that they their their kid had uh had been saying potty words and it was really really bothering them and so they would, they talked about the bible verse that says out of the overflow of our heart the mouth speaks then this kid yeah. this kid's i think the kid's 3 maybe 4 3 and uh she said that he yeah. said he was saying words like and you know skip over if you don't like coarse language okay but he said poopy butt and um <laughs> bleep that reva so if you could bleep that reva please do that and uh oh, he said, and then she told him, and this is just, I mean, she's put this up in a public post, and it just makes my head spin. She said, so I, in light of that scripture, she told him about that scripture and said, when he said that, that his heart is dirty and yucky. She said that to her kid? Right, but to help him understand, yeah. It's just terrible. Oh, my God. That's just insane. Yeah, I, I know parents that don't want their kids I mean, to that, even say but, even in a non-joking way. It's just like, oh, my butt hurts. It's uh, your bottom. That, that, like, I mean, I just I can't find a, a, a point of view that I, I have less respect for or almost think it's abusive. I just can't. I cannot wrap my head around that. I just can't wrap my head around that. That you, And I'm not saying kids aren't born sinful or anything like that or that he's not a little sinner or whatever you, whatever you want, but that is nothing. That right. is nothing, and I cannot believe what it would mean to a kid to say, hey, your heart is dirty and yucky. Can you imagine <laughs> saying that? It's just horrific. And I, I, I mean, and, and, and I understand that person's well-intentioned and everything. I just I, I can't even, I just can't even process that as anything other than extremely destructive to the child. But I, 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 whew, I would be hard to have that conversation face-to-face because I'm sure that their point of view is the opposite of mine. Like, no, that's what you must tell them in order to avoid them saying poopy butt when they're older because that'd be real bad i guess i don't know i don't i just don't i don't i can't see it at all and you know it's just it just means you're terrified of everything if you think that way is the only way i can think and you know sex is even worse but i guess but that whole thing where just try to repress even with jesus it's not it's not taking jesus's name in vain necessarily or at least i don't quite understand that because if you said toby morell it's raining that means you thinking of me or something like that like it just 
I, I don't even know the context there. It's just that other people say that's bad or something. I, and now, I, I'm not, I think it's true. I understand why. I, I don't say GD out loud. I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't like it. It feels true. It feel, I mean, maybe yeah, that's, that's just some that's old trigger. Saying, but, but, but you don't just, care if somebody else does necessarily. That doesn't mean they're inflicting and make, and taking your God yeah. and creator's name in vain, yeah. is I it? I mean, but if I do you, understand the, the idea far? of you don't want to trivialize, use trivially something you're supposed to have the reverence for, like God. I mean, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the, that mentality on that, but when yeah, a kid well, doing that's it the case, trying to you're trivializing God way, other, way more other ways in your prayers and your yep. thoughts. And no, all that's stuff. true. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't actually not... bother me or I don't judge it or anything. I'm just saying I, I, I get that, but a kid exploring language and using colorful language is not that, and trying things out and trying to learn how to use stuff isn't evil. They're trying to fucking learn how to use language. No. And you yeah. can correct it or improve it or whatever. That's why I have no. I try to have the least filters possible, so that Georgia will learn. I'm, she'll she'll have make many mistakes. I'm sure with the language that I give her to use. But I want her to start practicing how to use it well, and when to use it. As much I just as realized this, but I I would show it to y'all if I could pull it off the wall. But I have a whiteboard, and a long time ago I wrote some uh, names on it, wordplay names. Like one was a guy named Harry Vagina. Uh-huh. One was Mike Weef. And one was Hass Play. (laughs) (laughs) And right beside that, written in a five-year-old script is, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So my kids are screwed. They're going to be annihilated. My my kid comes up and goes, ooh, a marker. I'll tell dad I love him. But But beside it is filthy wordplay names. I disagree that that they're going to be screwed. They they will make mistakes. I know. I'm joking. I don't think that either. But I I believe there's a good possibility they'll have a better command of appropriate and inappropriate language as as grown-ups because they've seen you – Behave that way and behave other ways when you're in public, right? You don't say that kind of shit at the grocery store, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they've seen you right. use both responsibly at different times. And, of course, they're going to make mistakes in interpreting that, but they'll be farther ahead than somebody who never heard their dad say ass and then were devastated when they found out their dad was like that later in life. Right. That's ridiculous. But let me ask you a quick question. Do you think anybody goes to hell for taking the Lord's name in vain? Uh, n- no, but possibly. Joey, do you? Poopy uh, well, you mean you mean completely annihilated when you talk about <laughs> yeah, uh, total annihilation. Do you think your kid, whoever it is, boy or girl, one of your one of your children, will go to hell if they continue to say Jesus Christ? That man, this hot outside. No. Yep. So does it matter then? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I Why think, does it matter uh, then? Uh, What's a, the, a respect level. You you would say um, protecting your rep, and I would partly agree with you too. I would be embarrassed, so I'm not saying that I wouldn't. But I also think there's a respect element. Like, yeah, I, but I what don't if they say, they go? I mean, what if in every other way they honor God, and they don't think that that's dishonoring God? You wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just a personal decision. It's all we're talking about is what other people think. Like, what you think about your kids saying that, not what they think. What they think is it wasn't a big deal. Man, it's raining. Yeah. I'll call out to God. <laughs> My aunt, who is a the, one of the most conservative Christians in the whole world, if she hears thunder or lightning, she goes Jesus. <laughs> but she thinks she's she thinks she's crying out to God or something like that. And so I mean, it's just it's just her decision. But in the right context, people go, "You're sick in the Lord's name in vain. You don't need to come on." It's just what everybody else thinks. My Lord, I definitely. I mean, Priscilla and I are, are at a point now to where we. 
behind closed doors, I mean, we'll we will be super filthy with our language. And I all love that. that. But, <laughs> I love that, Joey. Tell us but some it, of it. Just tell us but, some of the nasty shit y'all say behind closed doors. I'd love to hear some of the spence and nasty. Just it's just sick. Uh, isn't it? Oh, I bet it's that, dirty. That wiener is adult size. God. Yeah, uh, that's kind of stuff. Um, no, but with like the uh, have you used that line, Priscilla? No. You looking for something adult size tonight? <laughs> How many how many people have listened to the podcast have used that on their on their wife? Adult size. <laughs> hey, you want to look at adult size? <laughs> no, but we 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 pretty much, I mean, we're at a point now to where we will definitely say stuff in front of the kids, and I think it's good for them. Like one time yeah, like you little I was, fucking piece of shit. Go to your fucking room, you motherfucker. Is that like what I you- I, no, I had Gwenny say one time to me, Dad, potty mouth, because I was just upset and I was just like, damn it, or something like that. And it's just becoming commonplace and it's not intimidating. And she sees it as, oh my gosh, you kind of shouldn't have said that, but it's not that big of a right. deal. And I think yeah. I could have used some of that growing up. Of course, because mm-hmm. then you were mystified when you go, what? My dad's, mm-hmm. a, a, oh, he didn't, I thought he was this way. I mean, that's, right. whatever, but. Do you know how many people say, oh, man, it was so crazy. Once I got into my 20s or 30s, I was able to have a beer with my dad. I didn't know like, like you missed the, You missed so much of your, your time with, like, because of Don't let your kids know the real you. I, okay, good idea. That's what I'm saying. That when you started this conversation, Joey, don't be safer. I don't think that's what you're getting at, but I don't know if we should be safer. That might be more dangerous. What are you me. talking about? You were saying nice. you had to be more careful and safe about what you're saying on the podcast or something. No, like that. I'm I'm talking specifically. He just didn't want to say I which want one of to, his kids it was. I I, I just oh, at some I point I've got to start honoring the identity of my kids because they're just like <laughs> at some point yeah. I'm going to yeah. start honoring yeah. those little motherfuckers. Man, I bet I, I'm, man, I'm, I'm glad it, there's no way people can find pictures or names of your children. <laughs> Ooh, <that's>, <laughs> you dodged a bullet there. There's no way people can find out about them. Let me tell you who I respect. <laughs> Miles Jordan Thomas, Jesus Christ, Tom Burgess, <laughs> Jacob Larson, Ben and Kim Archer, Kyle Smith, and Easton Kirkbride. Did you know mm. why I respect those individuals and honor them? Because they're BC Club mother. Peep. Yes, because they just earned their way into, paid their, bought their way into my circle yeah. of respect, which is the BC, the only people I respect are in the BC Club, of course. So. They bought their way into and they bought their way in. respect. So that's that's why I respect them. But I do, I really, I do. So do you respect the higher givers more? Oh, like, is it quantitative? Right. right. Sure. Okay. I can, I can respect that. So I does Jesus. That. Jesus. They sow a bigger seed and they get a bigger payoff. And blank. I think that's very biblical. No, but I do, of course not. What I really do respect, though, and what I really do think is the right thing is for people. Here's here's my, uh, you know, romantic vision for the world is that people will get into supporting things directly that they think are valuable because it's a quieter kind of thing. It's easy to, I mean, look, we say a lot of negative shit here and there, but what I'm saying is the things you support actually do more than the things that you talk shit about. So when you're negative, that's easy to do, and it probably does have effects, but unfortunately I think they're unintended and negative all the way around. I think they hurt you and the people you're tearing down. The online space is just getting, it seems to be spiraling more more and more negative. It's kind of upsetting a little bit. But on the other hand, when you see something positive, when you see people supporting stuff and building stuff and working together and finding the communities and networks that you can get along with, that's step one. That's good. And then step two, maybe some of these communities could, instead of, turn, the bad part about communities is when they, you know, fraction off from one another and and split, 
like denominations and stuff always has. And I think mm. what would be interesting to see is if you could see communities like Bad Christian and other ones, instead of get farther and farther apart, uh, maybe, you know, support other communities and get involved with each other and be, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but it seems like we should be kinder to one another. But for sure, start by finding people that are like-minded, and then maybe we could do a little bit of positive stuff together. Is that possible? Is that too ridiculous? Amen, amen. Is it possible is what I'm asking. Do you think it is? Amen. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, is it inevitable that every group that identifies itself will get farther and farther away from every other group, like the expanding universe? Maybe. Because um, so, I mean, that's I, not good, but I was kind of hoping there would be another Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that there's going to continually being people that stand their ground. and just If that's say, true, I can't end up in the it. Christian group. I do, it'll just be horrific for my life. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So this is a, the, the Bad Christian Club is a little bit of a, what I think of as a landing place uh, from the larger church culture. And I'm, that's not Hell totally no. knocking everything. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are going, you know what, I don't think I can be primarily identified as this, or I, I can go here, I can be part of this, but I'm not totally like all those other people, or I'm trying to move in a different direction or something. And that seems to be kind of what a lot of people in the Bad Christian Club uh, feel. So hopefully it's a what I would call a safe <laughs> borderline possibly safe landing place for for people that are you know moving from one community to another but i I really don't hope that that means that all communities are are fractioning so stay in your church community stay in your community group join the bc club too um and try to you know try to talk talk good about each other to each other something like that that's kind of what i got in mind not very well thought out but thank you to everybody in the bc club very much it it means a lot it's special and it's thebcclub.com uh, I think there's some of you out there that belong in our group that aren't aren't there yet. So we're waiting on you. We'll see you soon. Peace.